Hi, I'm Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And I'm Laura Booker, Executive Director of Research at the Tennessee Department of Education. And this is the fourth episode of the 10th period. It's going to be exciting when we get to the 10th episode of the 10th period. <laughs> that will be hard to say. And it'll be our golden episode, as my husband uh, just informed us, that when you have a birthday, that is on the same day. Um, so the 10th episode upcoming, but the fourth episode today, we're going to talk about the first of several Terra briefs around school leadership. So we're going to spend some time talking to Jason Grissom, who is our faculty director here at the Tennessee Education Research Alliance, about his research on school leaders, uh, both from the perspective of what we know about the teacher, uh, the, the leadership evaluation uh, system, and also what we know about distribution of effective leaders. And then we're going to put uh, Clarksville Montgomery County Superintendent Millard House on the spot to get his take on what strong school leadership looks like in practice. And finally, we'll wrap up with a discussion with Lal Alshai, who's the Deputy Commissioner of College, Career, and Technical Education at the Department of Education and the leader of the Teachers and Leaders Division as well. But before we get to that, Laura, as we always start out, what's new in Tennessee education? Well, I actually thought it would be fun if we started with a quiz Uh uh, this time. So I'm going to quiz you, um, Erin, on a few things. I'm going to get the quiz. I'm going to quiz you on a few things about principals and school leaders in Tennessee, since that's the focus of our episode today, okay? Okay. Just for the record, these are not questions that I'm familiar with. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to do my best. But uh, we'll see how this goes. All right, Laura, quiz away. That's right. You're in school today. Um, A surprise. Here comes your pop quiz. Um, (laughs) Pop quiz. So so first question, how many school leaders are currently in Tennessee? Do I... I, I, do I get a choice? Or I'm just going to make you. Yeah, well, let's see. Estimate. We have about 1,800 schools uh, in the state of Tennessee. So I'm going to go with 1,863. Um, that's about how many principals we have. And then when you actually add oh, in. Oh, assistant principals. Hold on one second. Uh-huh. So, so let's say 2,475. <laughs> So Mo, it seems like we actually have more assistant principals than we have um, principals because probably oh, some right. some High buildings schools. have multiple oh, assistant principals. So we actually have around um, um, thirty seven hundred school leaders wow, in Tennessee so when you look at principals off. and assistant principals. <laughs> um, so so next uh, question. Um, and this one's from our annual Tennessee Educator Survey, which we work on together. This one I better get right. <laughs> what activity did the greatest percentage of principals say they spent more than five hours per week on? And I'm going to give you options on this one, too. Fantastic. So, A, observing teachers. B, administrative duties like hiring, scheduling, budgeting. Or C, student discipline issues. Ooh, I really want to say A, but I feel like it's probably B or C. Um, and if I had to think about administrative duties versus school discipline issues, that's a toss up for me. I'm going to go with B, administrative duties. So it's actually C. C. Of course it is. It's 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 always C. But but to be fair, well, it's actually C, but it's only by one percentage point. So this is kind of, I I was kind of tricky on this one. But um, so it was actually 39% of our um, school leaders said that they spent more than five hours per week on school discipline. Um, 38% say they spend more than five hours per week on administrative duties. Mm-hmm. And what percentage on observation? Uh, 28%. Okay. So, so those, well were, those were the three most common act- activities where yeah. pe- people principals are saying they're spending more than five hours per week. Yep. Okay. And then I have one last question. Okay. Um, and all, this is also from the Tennessee Educator Survey. Which char- One last chance to get one right. <laughs> Which characteristic did the most principals say is uh, one of their top characteristics when hiring new teachers? 
No, um, and oh yes, choices, choices. choices sorry, choices. I almost okay. uh, a enthusiasm, b content knowledge, c previous teaching experience, or d prior student achievement scores. On this one, I think I'm going to have to go with enthusiasm. I feel like it's the type of thing that people generally tend to look for when they're hiring a teacher. Well, and especially when you that is, that is correct. Oh, and I, was, I got one. <laughs> and I also think you know a lot of times you're hiring, you're hiring people who are you know fresh out of their educator preparation program, and so they don't necessarily have previous previous teaching experience or prior student achievement scores. Right. Um. So so yes, actually enthusiasm. We had 63 percent of our school leaders say that that was one of their uh, top three characteristics. And about 54% said content knowledge. So those are those are the things that our principals are looking for when they are hiring their well, teachers. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good to know that the types of things that people are looking at, that it's not, I mean, because enthusiastic teachers, people who want to be there, people who want to be in the building, people who want to be part of that culture, super important, right? Also really important, though, to have that content knowledge and previous teaching experience involved. Um, so that was really fun. Thanks. I'm a little embarrassed, but also a little <laughs> bit excited. Um, and... Uh, I think a a good plug as well for the Tennessee Educator Survey data, which I know you all are in the process of analyzing. We are in the process of analyzing. um, And we'll have a a podcast out about later this summer. uh, That's right. When we have more um, on the results. So so thanks, Laura. And uh, now we're going to jump into our next segment, which is talking with Jason Grissom, Tara Faculty Director and uh, Researcher on Leadership Extraordinaire. Now we're going to talk about some new research that Tara has just released, um, and it's part of a larger series of research that we're doing in, uh, around school leadership and around principals. And our faculty director for the Tennessee Education Research Alliance, Jason Grissom, is doing this work and has led work on leadership in Tennessee and in other places for years. And we're excited to have Jason here today to talk to us about both the brief that we've recently released and also some of the work we have upcoming. So, Jason, welcome to your first time at the 10th period. I'm so excited to be here. We'll have many more, I would imagine, of you doing this over the years. But um, let's go ahead and, um, and jump in. I know Laura has sort of the first question on this one. Sure, Jason. I just wanted to ask for you to tell us a little bit about the brief and what it is that the findings that are reported. Sure. So the brief synthesizes across multiple studies that we've been doing at Terra to better understand school leadership in the state. So school leadership is really key to school improvement, and we've been trying to learn more about what differentiates effective leaders and about the impacts that leaders have on their schools. So we're particularly interested in the practice ratings that are assigned to principals as part of the evaluation system. So these are ratings that are assigned by principal supervisors. So it might be the superintendent, might be an associate superintendent or someone else um, at the district level. But they, it's a, they, they give these ratings to principals that are from a rubric that's aligned to the Tennessee Instructional Leadership Standards. And so um, ostensibly, those ratings should be telling us something about who uh, who is who has high quality practices, high quality leadership practices in their schools. And so, one of the first questions that we set out to answer was whether principals whose leadership practices are rated as more effective are actually getting better outcomes. And so, we we describe this in the brief. But um, essentially, there are three main results there. So, the first is that those practice ratings do predict student achievement growth. So what that means is that when a school is led by a principal who receives higher practice ratings, the students gain more in math and reading. So that's a really great thing, right? And it really is aligned to other research that we've seen in the field of of school leadership that suggests that leaders really can have big impacts on kids' outcomes. 
The second thing that we document is that the ratings that are given by supervisors tend to agree with what teachers in that school say about the quality of the leadership uh, that's there in that building. Um, when we ask them about leadership on the Tennessee Educator Survey, um, which we do here at Terra in cooperation with TDOE every spring. Um, so there's agreement between the two. And moreover, we find that the teachers that teachers also rate their school climates more positively um, when the, the practices of the, of the, of the school leaders themselves are, are rated more highly. So that's also a, a real positive, I think. I um, mean, the third thing, and I think relates to the school climate question, is that teacher retention is lower in schools with higher rated principals. And what's especially important about that is that lower retention is most apparent among the most effective teachers. And in fact, we find that the turnover rates among less effective teachers, as measured by their observation scores, are in fact higher among High, more highly rated leaders. So meaning that for when you have a highly effective principal, those principals are retaining better teachers more frequently. That's right. And the teachers who are not doing as well when they're with a paired with a highly effective principal are, are more likely to leave. That's to right. They're less likely to stay in that building. Right. And that's yeah. a phenomenon we refer to as strategic retention, right? right? So the idea that more capable leaders seem to do a better job of holding on to the teachers that are impacting kids the most and maybe not holding on to the teachers who are either less effective or maybe uh, less of a good fit for that particular building. So uh, is there anything about these particular findings that um, feels surprising to you? Or is this sort of what you might have expected when you set out to do this research? Well, I would say it's what I really hope in the sense that I, I'm a strong believer that school leaders matter. I think there's lots of evidence outside of the state of Tennessee um, that, that school leaders are really important and they're important for school improvement. And so you, you hope then that you have an evaluation system um, and this observation component in particular that's able to tell us something about who's doing a good job. Um, and, uh, and it seems to be doing that. Um, it does seem to be that people at the district level are capable of being able to say who their, who their principals are that are implementing effective practices, and those effective practices are translating into better, inco- uh, better outcomes for kids. So, Jason, what do you think this means for the department, and what kind of practical implications do you think there are from coming from this work? So I think knowing that the ratings are valuable is really uh, an important finding because if, if we if it, what it suggests to me is that if we are collecting data that is actually telling us about who's effective and maybe who's less effective in leadership, then it points us in a lot of it points us in a lot of useful directions, right? So it means that those ratings can be used for really important um, decisions at the district level. So retention decisions of leaders, for example, or uh, strategies for developing leaders, um, thinking about how to form pipelines of, of leaders, uh, of high-quality leaders um, in, into the, the principal's office. And also one that I'm especially interested in is placement, um, how we think about the fact that we're collecting information on who's effective and, and maybe who's less effective and how that helps us think about who should be uh, in which building, and in particular, um, thinking about how we get the best leaders into the buildings that need them most. So this is a topic you've actually also spent some time studying, and we'll have a brief out uh, later in the summer um, or early fall on this particular topic. And I know you you talked about it both at the convening we had in December, um, which actually a video of that is online. Should folks be interested in getting more information, they can find that on our website. Um, but also uh, at a recent SCORE Institute, you were talking about these findings. Can you talk just a little bit about the idea of, sort of strategic placement of principles and what we do and don't see in Tennessee? Yeah, so um, 
the research that we've done, I think, has really pointed out that we have what I think of as a sorting problem, that there's an inequitable sorting of, of leaders across um, high needs and lower needs environments. And when I say higher needs, you know, we're going to proxy this with some of the standard measures that we use in the field and what fraction of the kids in the school are in poverty measured by free and reduced price lunch eligibility or what's the achievement level on average of kids in that school, um, fraction of kids of color and so forth. And what we see is when we, we can sort of bucket schools um, to be um, – say, high poverty versus low poverty. Um, and and when, then when we look at the ratings, for example, or we look at the experience levels of principals, or we look at the time that they've been in their buildings, we see this really consistent pattern, which is that the, uh, the most effective and the most um, experienced leaders tend to be in the more advantaged school environments, uh, the schools that are lower poverty and that have higher levels of achievement, for example. And so in comparison to the other findings that sort of talk about that a principal evaluation system is showing us some good things. These are things you feel less positively about for the state. Yeah, I mean, I'd go so far as to say this is a big problem, yeah. right? Because leadership is this really important school improvement lever, as I said before. And what the, those results suggest is we're getting exactly the opposite pattern of the one we want to see. If we want to use leadership as uh, as a strategic point for trying to improve schools, then you want to see that you've got your best people in your most challenged school environments. And the data suggests that in Tennessee, that's that's not quite where we're at. So what do we think we might study on that going forward? Or are there are, are there other areas that you think in the research that you've done in other states or in other places that are uh, applicable in Tennessee? Where do you think we might go from here? Well, I think it's really important to understand why you see these patterns of sorting. Um, and this is some of the work that we're doing now is trying to dig into, is this something about hiring practices, placement practices within school districts? Um, is, Salaries? It could be. It could be salary. So, you know, one of the things that we think about a lot for teachers is that it's it's harder to be, it's harder to work in, a, in an environment where there are more challenges. And if you compensate everybody similarly, uh, then it, it might be only natural that people um, gravitate towards environments where maybe the challenges are, are less. Um, so, you know, so looking at questions of hiring um, or also questions of turnover. So this is all um, helpful information. I have a, f- a sense that we're going to have more conversation with you over the next couple of months and, and into the fall about what we're finding um, and excited to actually then turn and talk to uh, a superintendent who can give us sort of more of a perspective on the ground. So, Jason, thanks so much for joining us uh, here on the 10th period. And we look forward to having you again. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jason. So now we're going to put Millard House, who is director of schools in Clarksville, Montgomery County, and is a longtime school and district leader on the spot. Thanks so much for joining us, Millard. Uh, It's great to have you back with us. I know you were here with us in December talking about some of these same issues. And um, it was just it's so nice to have someone who has both been a principal and then also been a superintendent and spent some time actually doing training as well for people. And so love to hear just a little bit about your background and how your experiences over time, both as a principal and in working with principals, have helped to shape how you think about uh, developing your own school leaders. Well, it's, it's great to be here, Aaron and Laura. I appreciate you all, you all having me. Um, and, and first of all, just a little bit about my background. Um, you know, all 23 years have, have been in public education, had the opportunity early to um, to dive into administration after three years of teaching, uh, walking into the uh, the worst, essentially the worst performing school in the state that I was working in at the elementary level. Um, and, and quite frankly, for me, it, it ended up being the right 
school uh, for the skill set that I had at that particular time. Uh, and, 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 and as I think about my experience as a principal uh, and how that relates to the work that I've done as a, as a principal supervisor and a superintendent, uh, it's essentially you know, paramount. Uh, I can't imagine my career without those experiences, those 10 years as a principal, um, three at five at the middle school, five at the elementary level. Uh, they were huge. It, it, it gave me the opportunity to take a look at you know, equity you know, at the ground level, uh, school culture, uh, which were two elements that my particular school needed at a high level, but it also gave me an opportunity uh, to execute the work around uh, instructional leadership. Um, you know, when we talk about you know measures of student learning, um, uh, as well as you know curriculum and instruction uh, and assessment, all those pieces um, were were extremely important for me at the principal uh, in the principal seat. And uh, and then the the other pieces that that came along a little bit later in my uh, in my experience as a principal, uh, the external uh, leadership uh, from the standpoint of marketing and uh, and managerial uh, leadership as well. So those were all important pieces uh, for me uh, during those ten years that allowed me to walk into a building today and spend thirty minutes and know where I need to point the finger in terms of. Uh, assisting with um, particular improvement areas or recommendations for that school. Uh, so very, very important years uh, that I spent uh, that, uh, that allowed me to, uh, to become a stronger leader. I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit more about the, the thing that you just had said about being able to walk into a school and know uh, where to look to, to help uh, continue to improve that principal because you improve that school. And, you know, the, the research that that Jason was talking about earlier says that, you know, we know something about who effective uh, principals are based on our evaluation system and and that that predicts some of these things around school outcomes and turnover and and climate. Um, So I'm curious about both how you use that evaluation system, but also about the things that maybe aren't captured within the evaluation system that you also see um, a little bit because I'm thinking about how we might research that, but just would love to hear you talk about both of those things. You know, the, the, the first thing walking into a building that I, that I look at is, uh, is school culture and equity. Uh, and, and when I talk about school culture and equity, it's, um, it's that commitment, you know, from, from staff members to the, to the entire child, the, um, the intentional and collaborative school culture. Uh, do you see consistency from classroom to classroom? Do some of those consistencies roll over to um, uh, to the process and systems that you should see in, in after-school uh, after uh, programs, in the cafeteria, in the gymnasium, uh, that consistency around your processes and systems are important. And then once you start focusing on instructional walks, um, that's, you know, that's where you should really see the, the inter-rater reliability with that, in, that uh, administrative team. Are they seeing the same things once they sit down and talk as an administrative t- team uh, is that is that lesson a you know on a scale of one out of five a four lesson? Are we all seeing the same thing so that mm-hmm. we know how to give feedback effectively uh, to uh, to teachers? Uh, so those pieces are are pieces that I always try to make sure that uh, when I was in the seat of a of a principal 
first manager uh, that I did those walkthroughs and gave that kind of feedback. Uh, those are the kind of things that you could see immediately walking into a building. It's great to hear a little bit how you're thinking about um, principal improvement and uh, evaluation, but I'm also curious about what things you're doing in your district to attract and retain effective school leaders. So, you know, one, it's, it's interesting. We're in a different day and age now. So uh, one of the things that we, we try to concentrate on is, is is really the recruitment element of it. And from, an, from a recruitment standpoint, your marketing, uh, especially your electronic uh, and video uh, materials have to be uh, engaging. Uh, we also look at maintaining competitive competitive benefits and salaries. Mm-hmm. We we provide uh, high levels of professional development uh, that support uh, instructional leadership. Uh, we identify you know who our stars are and uh, and place them in strategic roles like uh, you know academic culture academic coaches, uh, consultants, assistant principals. Um, we also give people the opportunity that are those uh, academic or CMCSS administrative stars opportunities to present at the state uh, state level, national level, um, uh, to, to represent the district. Uh, we provide support uh, at, uh, to allow administrators uh, to uh, to focus on their schools as well, and that's a biggie. So those, I mean, that's a, a pretty extensive list and some really important things that touch on a bunch of different things that I would say are supported in in the research that we've seen. What are what's sort of one thing that you feel like uh, you want to take on, at, or you want to know more about um, from a research or data perspective on on how it might help to recruit, retain, develop leaders? You know, it, it'd be great to know from a from a categorical standpoint, uh, the ranking of really the top three things that make the big difference in reference to uh, attracting uh, great leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if, if you could if you could concentrate on those three things, as I indicated earlier, I have a broad array of things that we focus on in our school district. But it would be great to, to categorically, you know, know what those top three things are so that we could really focus our efforts uh, and, and push uh, in, uh, in that direction. And what kinds of things for you does it feel like would be helpful from the state? What kind of support or, um, again, I was in this meeting, um, so SCORE Institute, and one of the questions was from a legislator, actually, who said, what could we do? Uh, what kind of policy changes? So what, you know, from either policy change to implementation support, what kinds of things do you need from the state generally and specifically the State Department? That's an interesting question. And, and when I think about what, uh, what type of supports uh, could be uh, afforded, I, I think about, you know, the possibility of less, uh, less restrictions uh, for out-of-state licensure. Uh, that was mentioned about. yesterday, actually. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you have to, we, we are, you know, we have... Border twelve twelve thousand of our students, yeah. um, you know, come come from military families. So you can imagine, I have a lot of military spouses that come here without oh, state certifications that are mm-hmm. home run hitters. But we have to climb through quite a few hoops in many cases to get them get them in a classroom. I would also think about you know the education prep programs uh, and making sure that there's better alignment uh, with uh, state standards and state curriculum. Uh, I think that's paramount because uh, in many cases we're finding ourselves going back and resupporting, um, you know, many of the teachers that uh, 
that are walking in our doors for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then if, if, if there was a third, it would probably be uh, similar to number one um, uh, in reference to out-of-state licensure for teachers, but it would be out-of-state licensure for administrators. Um, I would, I would want to make sure that it's a... Um, not so time-consuming to uh, to do so. I actually walked in as superintendent a year ago and was going to try to transfer my own certification uh, as a superintendent. And even though the job did not require it, I decided not to do it uh, because it was pretty cumbersome. Yeah. Uh, so those were those were the you know the top three uh, right. that um, that I would you know um, uh, push. For uh, uh, for for additional support from the state. Yeah, I'm sure being uh, a border county too uh, means exactly. that you spend a lot of time thinking about those exactly. things. Exactly, absolutely. Well, Miller, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing a little bit about your experience both as a principal and now as a, a district leader of one of our uh, big districts here in Tennessee. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Okay, so next we're going to talk with Lyle Alshai, Deputy Commissioner of CCTE and Teachers and Leaders at the Department of Education, about what supports the state can provide for helping districts attract, develop, and retain great school leaders, and and also a little bit about Lyle's own background. So Lyle, can you tell us a little bit about the positions that you've held around school and district leadership in your career? Uh, Yes, I would be glad to. I was uh, one of those teachers that really had no intentions of, of being in education, but once I did, I thought I might have some interest in, in being a school leader at, at one point, but uh, actually had a, a principal where I was teaching school come to me and ask me about my interest and talk me into going back to school and, and get an endorsement to uh, become a principal. So I was a K-8 principal in Hawkins County, Tennessee for a few years, and then I uh, was thinking about uh, going into high school, so I actually changed systems and was a, an assistant principal in a high school in Hamlin County uh, in Marshtown, Tennessee, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, after that, I moved into the assistant superintendent for instruction role in Greenville, Tennessee. I was in that role five years. And uh, the last 17 years before coming to the Department of Education, I served as superintendent of schools. Uh, first for 12 years in Greenville, where I served as assistant superintendent, and then the last five years in Kingsport, Tennessee. Both really uh, highly effective school districts and ones that, you know, I know people over time have have followed sort of how those districts and, and your time in Kingsport in particular, sort of how you thought about placing leaders and that kind of thing. I, I'm interested to know just a little bit from you, Lyle, about how your experience as a principal then informed your the way you thought about uh, selecting, retaining, developing effective principals in a school district as superintendent, assistant superintendent, those those leadership roles. Well, that, that's actually a, a, a good question, and uh, I can't say that I have a great deal of scientific backing to this. Although I think there's more and more research that comes out about it. I'll start by saying, in in simple terms, it's all about people. And I learned early on uh, that if you are going to lead people, they need to to follow you. And if you're going to have people follow you, then they need to know that you care about them, you're going to support them, you're going to give them the tools that you can uh, to help them do their jobs better and and continue to support them on a daily basis. And and I would say that 
that proved to be true uh, as I was fortunate to move up uh, the leadership pipeline, so to speak, it's particularly as I became an assistant superintendent and especially the last 17 years as a superintendent. It, it really is about connecting to people, first of all. Uh, it is about being able to communicate a vision and to motivate people, uh, particularly a faculty, around a vision and, and be able to work with community leaders and understand what your role in the community is. and. Uh, and sometimes uh, that, that's difficult. You have to have the right personality to do that. And uh, uh, so I, I just think it really is all about people. So tell me just a little bit more, too, then about how that has helped to inform what you're thinking about at the state level and just, you know, in general, a little bit about what the state is anticipating next or, or is doing currently on, on school leadership and anticipating moving into. You know, I'm really excited about some things that we're currently doing, and part of the one that I'm most excited about uh, is what we call the Tennessee Transformational Leadership Alliance. And this came about uh, with Commissioner McQueen uh, putting in place uh, a principal pipeline uh, set of grants and uh, entities or groups of school systems that was pretty open-ended could apply for these funds. And now we have nine of those, and across those nine, there are currently 150 aspiring principals in these networks, and uh, they are working on best practices of principal preparation. It's interesting that only two of those uh, are what we would call traditional uh, principal um, preparation providers. The rest are uh, just networks of uh, aspiring principals that have come together uh, under uh, usually a post-secondary group or consortium to work together on, on growing. And I think that really, uh, that cohort group really fosters uh, some of the things that I was just talking about in terms of being able to work and lead people, establish a vision, understand your role in the community because uh, when you become a principal, uh, in most systems, uh, you are the face of the community, not just the school, and you're expected to be at a lot of things. And we all know that the principal job is, is so complex and so difficult, uh, and, and I think the cohort approach also has allowed us as a state to support these groups and to help uh, and, and to really learn from them what they struggle with, what they feel good about, but also, uh, we think it's going to inform us in ways that we can then work with our traditional uh, principal preparation providers to help them uh, to, to better grow and, and to attract the right people into the field. But the TTLA, as we call it, right now is, is training 150 of these, and that's on top of the um, Governor's Academy for School Leaders. There's 25 aspiring administrators there. They're typically assistant principals. So really there's 175 principals or at least future principals or, or administrators of some sort being trained through these networks. And, you know, we typically in any given year have about 250 principal vacancies. Now, some of those are because the principals move into different roles. There may be promotions or, or move to another system. So it's not necessarily new positions every year. There's probably 160 or so actually new people that we're looking for every year. 
And you, Lyle, you mentioned your own uh, trajectory and starting in the classroom. And I know the state has also been working a lot around kind of teacher leadership. And one of those trajectories for our teachers might be to become uh, school leaders. So it's really interesting to hear about um, the cohorts and how they're all working together. And then they have these communities where they can support each other when they do step into school leadership roles. Um, what... Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about that, the moving the teacher to the leader and what type of support is happening in those programs and what is it that people really need to learn as they kind of step from a classroom to more of a school leadership role? You know, and I think that, that it's obviously uh, it, you can't ever predict when you go from one role to another what it's going to be like. We all think we know, but we really don't know. So when you yeah. come from the classroom, even if it's a, an, an academic coach position, you still are in supporting others. You're helping others, whether it's maybe modeling lessons, working on lesson plans, finding resources, working on how to remediate students, or, or you know, a variety of things. When you become an administrator, you are still doing some of those things, but you realize all of a sudden the job of being a principal or even assistant principal takes so much knowledge and you're changing gears so many times a day. I know I re uh, a few years ago actually saw a re some research where a principal changed uh, gears and, and topics uh, about 100 times a day. Wow. And I think that's one of the biggest things is the volume and the number of times you change from one thing to another. So organizational skills are vital, uh, patience. Uh, understanding that uh, why you want to be timely, that you can't always answer questions right then, and just understanding the various pools because you're going from maybe focusing on a particular area that you may be helping coach a particular subject matter teacher uh, you are, or, or maybe it's your department to all of a sudden you're not only dealing with instructional things, you're dealing with administrative tasks, you have supervision duties after school, before school, there may be some discipline issues to work on. There, there are academic teams to lead. It's, it's, I think that where I've seen people struggle is just the volume of what they have to do. They're, they typically know how to do it and can do it, but they have to understand what they need to do, how to organize their time, and that's when it's And how to prioritize. Yeah. That's right. Prioritize and lean on your, your fellow administrators to help you. Right. Yeah, Aaron and I talked a little bit about how principals are spending their time um, at the beginning of the episode. Um, but I do, I understand as you're kind of describing all of these different roles and responsibilities, why training and preparation to step into a leadership role is so vital so that you can become equipped to do some of the mental gymnastics that you're describing. Um, and I'm curious, Lyle, how you think we could be using the information that we have about principal quality um, and who are effective, more highly effective principals differently um, in our systems? An excellent question. And I think that is an area that we really need to dig much deeper into uh, because the job is so complex, whether it's uh, uh, dealing with academics, dealing with parents, dealing with the motivation of students, uh, planning, organization, setting vision, leadership in the community. So it, it's one of those things that we, I, I think, haven't, we, we understand pieces of it, but we need to be able to do more. And one of the things that I'm really excited about that, that's not in place yet 
is we are in the process of developing a principal preparation provider uh, report, an annual report, much like we've done for teachers interstate. And when we do that, we can look at the things that, that we think make a difference over time. And, and, we, and part of that is placement, it's the retention and selection of their principals and, and how are they doing when they get there. Uh, we can look at the completer satisfaction. In other words, how satisfied are they with their program and did it satisfy them, why or why not? How they are performing in their districts in terms of student metrics, uh, faculty and staff satisfaction. So we aren't there yet, but I think there's some exciting things on the horizon because right now, many of our school systems are in a reactive mode. They don't know when people are leaving. When they do, they're trying to scramble advertise uh, for the best person they can find. But if we can do the right research on the front end and, and develop pipelines and really understand the characteristics of the people in our pipelines, we can better help systems. It, maybe, maybe we even have consortiums and regions work together so that it's not just that system developing a pipeline but you know, a lot of our small systems could really benefit from working together and being taking a more proactive approach. So when someone leaves, by golly, there's someone else that's qualified, ready to go, right to step in instead of taking and and you know. Well, I'd love to know if there's just one thing that we at Terra could do to help you all figure out where to go next um, in terms of being in a place where. The number of high-quality principals in the state of Tennessee goes up so that those 160 openings we know could be filled with uh, people who are really well-prepared and trained and and, uh, and are in the right places for them. What would that be? What would the one thing be that we could do from a research perspective? We really need to know what candidates are out there. And, and in some cases, we do. But we have so many uh people in our state, teachers, that have gone back and have gotten an administrative endorsement, many of whom never intend to be a school administrator, but it's the only graduate degree that they can get. And, and you know, the way many of our school systems salary structures are still uh, set up, that's how they can get a raise is to get a higher degree. So we really need to know, first of all, how many really truly interested candidates are out there, then if we could somehow convince, entice, incentivize, whatever the right word is, to have these people that are truly interested in being an administrator that are not in TTLA, like I mentioned, because we can do this, I'm hoping, going forward with TTLA, but those that are already out in the field, we need to know more about them. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to, to get some information on their backgrounds, their dispositions, what programs they came from, because we know a little bit about those preparation programs and where their strengths and, and areas yeah. of improvement might be. So I think it's really getting a handle on our current workforce and helping us better plan for the future workforce. I think that's great, and, and that's right up our alley and something I know Jason would be really interested in, in working on with others um, here. So thanks so much, Lyle. This has been a really informative conversation about what is, uh, what's going on at the department, what's up next to the department, and how we can be helpful. And just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and, uh, and also for the work that you've been doing not only at the department for the years, but for the years before that. So thanks so much for making time. 
Thank you, and I, I'm just honored to be a part of the work, and I love it. And uh, and anything that we can do working together to grow better school leaders, we're all going to benefit. That's right. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, Laura, so that brings us to the end of our fourth episode of the 10th period. What were your big takeaways from today? I enjoyed hearing Jason talk a little bit about the distribution of leaders and how we can think think a little bit about incentivizing and looking for um, our most effective leaders and trying to get them into places um, that that need them most. Um, I also thought um, the point about how we can, and doing some research on how to best identify principles that will be successful and thinking a little bit about how um, Tara can contribute in that area is a great spot for us to follow up on. And then I think Millard's question around um, reducing barriers to becoming both a school leader or a teacher in Tennessee are also important. I, I want to mention there that um, from talking to some folks in our licensure team, um, they mentioned that it is a balance between um, flexibility and helping people from out of state enter the profession along with maintaining quality. Um, so a lot of times people who are coming from other states may have to take additional assessments when they come to Tennessee mm-hmm. that, that weren't requirements in other states, but because it's very diff- there are so many different programs people can go to from all over the country and even the nation, I'm assuming. Um, you know, it's very hard to um, kind of allow for all of those different pieces. So a lot of times there is something new that they may have to take, even though they already were certified in another state. But we may not be familiar with the quality of that program right. in another state. But I do think it's something that's really important for us to keep talking about because yeah. we certainly don't want to be having unnecessary um, barriers. And surely that there are some, you know, possible next steps that we can pursue. I I agree with you. Um, actually, a big takeaway for me as I've been hearing conversations around, you know, there are lots of conversations happening around leadership in, in Tennessee. The governor's put some money into mm-hmm. the, ten, the Tennessee Transformational Leadership Alliance. There's the Governor's Academy for School Leadership that's here at Vanderbilt. There are just, there are lots of conversations about, and similar to sort of what Millard had said about how do we figure out uh who is what are the qualities of sort of the highest quality leaders um but then also an issue of sorting and matching as as Jason talked about and i think one place where we might be able to make a good contribution from the terra perspective is actually in that marriage of what is it that we can know and what are what are some of the data telling us about uh, high quality principles? And then how do we look at characteristics of schools? And could we start to think about how we match those things up in a better way in order to give people a better sense of how to think about matching and sorting and distributing t- uh, principles in ways that are going to both meet that principal's needs for what they might do well, um, but also meet the school needs as well. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in trying to dig into that more. So this has been probably one of our uh, longer podcasts to date. Um, and I think it's because there's just a lot here to unpack. Um, and I have a feeling we're going to come back to this topic more than once um, over the next year or so um, with different lens on it. Um, but this has been a really enjoyable conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot, um, and I'm excited to think about what we can do next. So um, this concludes our fourth episode of the 10th period. 
a podcast about education research in Tennessee and its applications. And um, exciting to have you all here with us again. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Tened Res Alliance, and you can find the podcast on our website. You can also sign up to be a subscriber on SoundCloud or iTunes, and we'd love to have you there. And we hope to have you back again soon. So thanks so much. And Laura, thanks so much to you. Thank you all for listening.